You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, David Hall. Hello, hello. Greg Hectus. What's up, everybody? And Tony Gross. Hey, good evening, gentlemen. Well, welcome. On the show today, we'll be covering the first race of the iRacing Coke Series playoff with Evan Pasoka. We'll go over all the new content released for the upcoming Build Week, and we have a team to foresee first in the iRacing NIS Series. Also, don't forget that we have our website going so you can follow along with us on your PC or mobile device in real time as you're listening to the show. You can see for yourself all the great topics and products that we are discussing. Go to iRacersLounge.com and select the show notes. We hope to see you there. GridFinder 2.0 is bigger and better than ever with more ways to narrow your search for your next sim racing league. Featuring over 1,000 leagues from over 25 racing sims across every platform, your place on the grid is just a couple clicks away. Visit www.grid-finder.com to find a league or to upload your own. GridFinder is the home of online sim racing leagues. GridFinder.com First time winner, Ashton Crowder, final time at a turn four to his first win in the E-NASCAR peak in And the Monster Mile in 2020 is tamed by Nick Garillo. Gonna look to the bottom, it is not gonna be enough. And Ryan Luza is gonna go back to back. He steals the win at Thunder Valley. Welcome, the voice of iRacing, Evan Pasoko. Hey guys, thanks uh, for having me again after uh, quite the exciting playoff opener. It sure was. Uh, so Darlington, let's let's talk about pre-race a little bit. We had an interview with Smoke, uh, Tony Stewart, uh, talking about his team and iRacing. Uh, pre-race team mentioned the difficulty with the sun glare at Darlington. Uh, you also talked about uh, Mitchell uh, winning his fifth pole, Keegan Leahy, uh, teammate on the front row. Uh, and in the pre-race interview with Mitchell, he, he uh, mentioned that the difficulty from the pit road entrance could be a factor in the race. Yeah, and unfortunately for Mitchell, that was kind of uh, a sign of things to come, right? I mean, Darlington's so unique. Um, it's hard enough on its own. And for this to be the opener and what really is a cutthroat three-race round one uh, to these eNASCAR playoffs is tough, right? So um, this would kind of be a story of attrition, a story of strategy. Of course, you mentioned we talked about how Mitchell and Keegan were on front row. Um, I don't think anybody can deny that the 2311 cars have been the best qualifiers all season long. And uh, for Mitchell, at least earlier on this year, right, the story had been for him that he would qualify on pull and struggle. Um, so that's what I was looking forward to seeing in the first bit of this race is if he had the race pace. And uh, the evident answer was yes. Yeah, the race starts off clean with eight playoff drivers in the top 13 with uh, Mitchell in the lead, Leahy second, Graham Bolin in third. The race settled in early with everyone settling in for a long run and, and limited passing. Uh, Tony Stewart joins, uh, rejoins the broadcast and is interviewed. And uh, we also get some good in-car camera work with Corey Vincent. You can really see and hear that throttle control these drivers have in order to run fast laps around this particular track. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, these drivers uh, are not shy uh, of being outspoken about how they feel about how these cars drive at like the intermediate racetracks and whatnot. So to give them a challenge like this, like I said, as your first playoff race um, is certainly quite the challenge that they have to fight through. So uh, I think it's a great place for us to to open our playoffs. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, this race had lots of elements. Of course, it's hard to drive on its own. Um, so, you know, drivers were getting into the fence and making a couple of mistakes and, and some other things. And then, of course, you know, as we worked a little bit deeper in, some fuel strategy came into the mix as well. So we kind of had a little bit of everything in this one. Yeah, Mitchell DeYoung uh, had pulled out a, over a second lead over his teammate by lap 13. Around lap 30, uh, Bullen in third is getting pressure from Nick Ottinger, and Michael Conti was closing on Ottinger. At the same time, Logan Clampett is on the move, passing cars up to P6. Yeah, both of the, you know, we talked about the 2311 cars being strong, but with Clampett and Ottinger, both of the William Byron Esports Chevys um, had a lot of speed. And anytime you're in a situation like those guys are, right, where you've got one car in the playoffs, one car out of the playoffs, it's kind of something that I, you know, speculated on on the broadcast was, you know, is is Ottinger here going to try to work pitch strategy-wise, race some of the other guys harder to help Logan? Um, or could he be a spoiler, right? Of course, if a non-playoff driver could go on and win this race, it would mean that it would guarantee a minimum of two points paying positions uh, headed into the next round of the championship for the title. So um, it was an interesting team dynamic looking at, you know, the 2311 cars who are both looking for a title and the William Byron cars um, for who are a little bit of half and half of each. Um, but it was great to see Nick. I mean, he has not had the best of years. Um, so it was good to see Nick having uh, a lot of strength up there. Logan Clampett kind of showing back up, right? I mean, some of these playoff guys have been quiet for the last month or so, right? We talked a lot about the guys on the bubble, but kind of those mid-pack race winners, um, not mid-pack as far as running mid-pack, right? But kind of like uh, of your 10 drivers, kind of that three to six or seven range, right? That were kind of out of the, the headlines and really didn't make a lot of noise in the last few weeks. I kind of wondered, uh, you know, without some momentum, would that hurt him? But but guys like Logan showed that that they were just kind of, I think, saving the best stuff for, for now. And, um, you know, for most of this race, eight or so of the top or eight or so of the playoff drivers were in the top 12 in the race. Yeah, it's go time for sure. Conti passes Ottinger for fourth and pressures Bolin until he finally concedes P3 after a tough multi-lap battle. Uh, and then Darlington claimed the first victim on lap 44 when Bob Bryant earns that Darlington stripe, and he ends up being the lowest-scoring playoff driver back in P31. Yeah, Bob, uh, and we talked to him after it, and, and you know he kind of knew at that point, even before the damage, that, that they just didn't have what everybody else had in this race. Um, and, you know, you can get away with a stripe, um, but when you kind of bounce it off the fence like that, you're going to get some damage. And I mean, it's not terminal by any means, but that little bit of damage that's going to hurt you um, when you add that on top of a car that was already struggling a little bit just uh, made this a, a night to forget for Bob Bryant. All right. As playoff contender Vicente Salas moves up into ninth. Uh, Shearburn is falling back. Lap 41, Mitchell's lead over Keegan is down to 0.7 seconds. Shearburn is down in 18th this last time by lap 50. Um, and now we have Pitts. So first to strike, Keegan Leahy pits at 56. Uh, Pitt stops next. Brad Davies on 58, followed by race leader Mitchell with a late turn down Pitt Road with the majority of the field following suit. Yeah, and we talked about that pit entry, right, that he alluded to early in this race. And and initially, I thought he had a flat just because of how, 
you know, sideways and, and kind of out of control he was, but I think it was just kind of locked up the tires, trying to get onto the brakes on the banking up there. And it's a point that I made with Steve, right? The pit lane entry at Darlington's not difficult because it's cookie cutter. It's different. Or it's difficult because it's wide open, right? If it was, there's only one way to get on and off of the pit lane. It's not going to be difficult. No, everybody's going to be getting in there within a you know couple hundreds or, or thousands of a second of each other. But what makes it so hard is you could do so many different approaches, right, to how you want to get on pit road. A lot of the aggressive guys uh, almost get, you know, all the way to turn kind of three and a half to four, right? Like like about a quarter or two thirds of the way through that turn before they kind of dive down to the banking. And obviously the car is going to be really tough to rotate when you go from the banking to the flat. And, you know, we saw the issues with Mitchell on this pit cycle and a later one. Uh, a couple of drivers ended up close to the barrels. We've seen drivers in the barrels and missing pit road here in the past as well. Um, and through the pit cycle, um, it hurts um, Mitchell DeYoung the most because he lost the race lead to his teammate through the cycle. Now, of course, um, as we got a couple more laps in, uh, Keegan was able to uh, get back through. DeYoung took the race lead back at lap number 79, but um, those pit stops was just something missing from uh, that DeYoung team. Now, I digress. I, I ran and won the Southern 500 last night in NIS, and I had a moment like that getting on the pit road on a green flag stop. I drove down there kind of in the middle. I slam on the brakes and the thing won't turn. I turned the wheel all the way to the left, like literally all the way to the yeah. left and it still won't turn. I literally slam the brakes on and I see smoke in the mirrors. I'm flat spotting my tires and it still won't turn. I had to stop at the barrels. I got the car stopped and then I turned it to the left and inched to the left and it finally turned yeah it's just so so tricky and you can make it easy right you could not touch the banking in three you could just ride the apron go nice and slow but you're going to give up like four or five seconds that's what makes it difficult is that there's time to be gained and time to be lost yeah it looks like you can really dive it in there because it's like you said wide open uh you want to you know try to not give up any time and sure enough you always end up overdriving it Let's keep going. Leahy comes out ahead of DeJong, De Young after pit stops cycle uh, through with Nick Ottinger moving up to third. It was lap 79. Mitchell reclaims the lead back from Leahy without much of a fight. And then caution, Bob Bryant gets hooked by uh, Taylor Hurst at lap 93. And I talked about uh, a bad nice going worse for Bob Bryant, right? Uh, Taylor Hurst, uh, you know, we talked all night about, you know, would the non-playoff guys give those playoff drivers a little bit more room? And I don't think that it was malicious uh, in any sense by Taylor Hurst, but it's just not, I, I mean, I would give a playoff driver more room, right? I mean, we know the side draft's important, but uh, it's just a mistake. It happens and, uh, you know, it rains, it pours for Bob Bryant. And uh, at that point, that kind of, you know, solidified him as the lowest of the playoff cars. And I uh, did set him up for a bit of an interesting strategy call later, but at that point, uh, pretty doom and gloom for Bob Bryant. Yeah, and that backstretch is narrow. And, and Bob is probably just thinking about, hey, I got to kind of arc into three and, and get down just a hair. And, 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 you know, Taylor's trying to get around him. So, uh, and, and the yeah, wall sticks out too, right? Going into the corner, the safer barrier jets out. So you can't expect the guy on the outside to be right on the fence because otherwise he'll drive into the wall when it jets out into the corner too. So maybe Taylor was expecting a little bit more room, but I didn't think Bob was, you know, that far off the wall at all. So just one of those tough racing deals. 
Yep. I think, uh, Mike, the other thing in that, too, when that an incident like that, you got to be very careful of just net code in general when you're that close. Yeah, they were rubbing pretty much. All right, so restart 85 to go. Uh, Mitchell and Bobby uh, lead the field into turn one. And then caution, 77 to go. Ashton Crowder spins. Ray Alfala uh, ends up taking two tires on that stop. This is where we start to see a little bit of that strategy, right? Ray goes for the two. Um, at this point, we're closing in on halfway, and we're starting to think of, you know, what's going to be the winning pit call at this point. And, you know, Ray Alfala, not a driver fighting for the championship of this year, can make a call like that. And, um, you know, once we get to these later stages of this race, um, we've kind of established who the fast cars are, and it's going to come down to, I think, a mistake or right? a misstep on strategy or a misstep on track to make the difference because, uh, you know, DeYoung had been the, the good car on the short run. Leahy looked like a good car on the long run. He had Ottinger, who had been improving all night long, and then he got guys like Ray trying to mix up some strategy. So, uh, again, really enthralling race up to that point. Yep, uh, 72 to go. Uh, it's Mitchell and Leahy lead into turn one. Then 50 to go is a lot of fuel saving going on right now. Um, and then 45 to go is Logan Clampett uh, gets around Keegan Leahy uh, for second. Uh, 43 to go, Nick Onger, Michael Guest, Pitt, and others pit. Yep, a lot of drivers cycling down to the pit lane. And again, DeYoung struggling. Um, you know, we, we talk about that pit lane entry. Um, but we didn't see, you know, you talk about Ray going off. We didn't see the leaders, uh, you know, really fraction or fractor off and you know into into several different groups um for the most part once one guy up front pitted they all kind of came in sometimes it was like a four or six lot window but uh for the fastest of the cars um you know they didn't have to to mix up that strategy like some of the other cars did right they were they were pretty comfortable with with racing against each other knowing of course how important a race win would be now i didn't take note of where what was bobby doing right about this point I think Bobby uh, had been up towards, obviously, through the, the front of the field here. Um, and, and I think he kind of just stayed on that strategy, um, obviously, to stretch it to get the one stop to go. And, and he would have been good to the end of the race. Of course, you know, to, not to jump too far ahead. But as we got later in this race, we had a lot of cars who had pitted. Some drivers were going to be able to stretch it on fuel, we thought. But it was the cars who, even with an extra pit stop, just had the speed, right? Those were your leaders for the most part. And Bobby was with those guys um, who, if we didn't have later race yellows, would have been able to cycle back up to the top regardless. Yeah, and so as laps wind down, 12 to go, Mitchell is uh, get, gets fifth by uh, Matt Busa, and then seven to go, he gets third uh, from Casey Kerwin. Uh, six to go, and it's caution. Garrett Maines, Brad Davies, and John Gorlinski crash. It's tough. You know, you'll have that in these late race runs, but, you know, that, that strategy variance that I was just describing with X drivers, you know, trying to make it to the end, uh, Bobby driving through the field, Mitchell driving through the field. I mean, Nick driving through the field. I mean, those drivers were getting held up a little bit in a battle for P2. I think it was with Casey at the time of the yellow. I still think they probably would have been able to get the win if that yellow doesn't come out. But man, was that an interesting battle. I love when we can get those strategy plays to cycle out, right? Let it cycle out. Um, and it was going to be an incredible finish. Um, but it just seems like you're always after a long green flag run. You're always having some sort of late race yellow. And uh, in this case, you know, you get it between Garrett Maines, Brad Davies and, and John Gorlinski. Um, it's, it's just part of it. Um, you know, um, the guys up front really did not want to see that, um, but I don't think anybody was surprised by it. Now, this next one, 
one of my teammates on the chat said, uh, for door bumper clear, we're going to have Brett Griffin give the what an idiot award to none other than Malik Ray, who stays out on this caution when everybody else fitted. Uh, the uh, number 11 will lead the field to the green. Uh, Bobby Zelensky lines up outside. Uh, Ryan Luza behind Ray and then Mitchell behind Zelensky. Um, and then somehow Bobby gets a black flag, but they cleared it. Yeah, it was weird. So obviously, I, I, I love Malik. Uh, he's such a good guy in the series, but I just don't understand the move, right? So you'll have guys stay out. And the idea of staying out, if you know you're not going to be faster, right, is you, you want to you know see some chaos, right? You're going to go slow on the restart. You're going to stack people up. You're going to hope you get a couple of yellows and you know try to, try to maintain some track position. But he just pulled right over, which, by the way, was the right thing to do, right? Considering how slow he was, I just don't understand if you were just going to pull over. Why stay out? I guess he led a lap. Uh, so maybe that was the only objective uh, for him and his team. But you could have let a lap in a yellow and came down. But what that did is it put Zelensky on the outside of the front row. So Malik fires off first. He clearly accelerates. But he's on 72, 73 lap old tires, right? So Bobby follows him, hits the gas, and blows by him. Well, the rule, obviously, is you can't beat the leader to the line. And iRacing automatically issued uh, Bobby a black flag for beating the leader to the line. Um, obviously it was very clear to everybody that Malik fired off first, uh, that Bobby should not have been penalized. And as he's up there racing for the win, as he sees, you know, Mitchell or, or Nick or whoever was in the bumper there, right. Trying to get to him at that point, as he's racing as what we think is going to be coming to the white flag, he's actively talking on the radio to race control, asking them to review that yellow or the penalty. I should say, fortunately they did. And they were able to clear it. So one of the positives of having um, those live race admins is that Bobby had that penalty cleared. Um, and that was the right call. It was the right call. I'm glad that Tyler decided to do that. Um, you know, it was a, it was a bad situation. Like, you know, Malik really kind of put them in a, in a pickle there, but um, it worked out. And so, uh, but then right after that, another caution, it was a chain reaction that saw Kane cook getting wrecked on the backstretch. And this is, you know, going back to what I just said about not being surprised. Um, you can be upset about, you know, some of these guys, uh, you know, crashing into each other and, and all these different things. Um, I, I don't remember who it was, but one of the drivers had mentioned over the radio um, something to the effect of, you know, um, you know, here comes here comes the the big crash at the back. And then I think it was Clampett who spoke up over the radio and said kind of annoying um, when guys are fighting for a championship. Could we just not? Um, but I mean, you, you know, there's guys fighting for relegation. It's a late race restart. It's Darlington. Um, you, that's just going to happen. So um, another yellow and uh, we have to extend it uh, to overtime attempt number two. Yep. And it's uh, Bobby Zelensky and Mitchell DeYoung. They lead the field in the turn one. Uh, Bobby uh, holds off the other road guy, uh, Mitchell, uh, for the win at Darlington and, uh, it shows, uh, I guess he's not just a road guy. He's got multiple ovals now. Yeah, very poetic. I mean, first in the battle uh, for the position, right? I mean, Bobby fired off better, and that was the difference because Mitchell was the, the faster short-run car, and he got all the way alongside him in three, uh, but they kept it clean and had a good finish, right? And the story had always been, uh, you know, Bobby Zelensky is the road course king. Bobby Zelensky is the road course king, and the Mitchell DeYoung shows up and, and beats him twice this year and then you're thinking well well, what can bobby do right that was his shtick so i think it's very poetic that for bobby to find his footing here on the ovals in an oval race to put him in another shot for a championship is to beat the guy 
that had beat him at his forte all year, and that was Mitchell DeYoung. Uh, super impressed with Mitchell as well for having this performance at Darlington. Um, but, yeah, I think very poetic uh, for, for Bobby to get one over on Mitchell this time and uh, cool for it to happen on an oval. Yep, and he's racing for a championship again, and I'm glad to see he's one of the four. Uh, hard luck award, I mean, if you look at the points coming out of the race, got to be Keegan Leahy. I mean, uh, apparently he was the man who built that set, uh, you know, that Mitchell and, uh, and Bobby were using, uh, but he ends up 10th in points. Yeah, obviously that's that's the big hit, right? Is um, Keegan Lee? He finishes on the lead lap in this race. He started second. He led eleven laps, and he leaves last um, in the championship. Um, just unfortunate for Keegan, um, and it's by a significant margin, right? You're not scoring any points down there. I think got three points, maybe. Um, so he is twenty-seven points, I think, below the cut line. Um, a lot could happen, but that goes to show you that with this playoff format, doesn't matter how good you are all year, one bad race do you in. And uh, I would almost put Keegan into that must-win uh, territory yeah. already. Yeah, definitely in must-win. Uh, as well as Bob Bryant, who's down there, Graham Bolin, Mike Conti, uh, Vicente, they make up the back half of the top 10. But uh, yeah, so we got Bobby up there leading. He's in, uh, I guess, quietly, uh, Jimmy Mullis in third, Matt Busa in fourth. Yeah, that's all he had to do with Darlington, right, was be quiet. Uh, don't draw attention to yourself, and you're right. Um, Mullis was quiet, talked about him and Novak a couple of times. They were another duo that raced their way through the field. Um, so Mullis is in, and then, you know, Busa up by one to the good, clamp it down one to the good. Um, of course, we, we really don't know exactly what we'll see at, at Bristol next time out, and then nobody knows what's going to happen at Talladega. Um, so this next win may be the most important of wins. And even Mitchell, right, who's the highest to the safe on points is only plus nine. I mean, it's a point that me and Steve talked about how in NASCAR, it's a very slow progression, right? You only got to be the best 12 out of 16, then the best eight out of 12 and so on and so forth. Uh, much more cutthroat in this format. Um, so Bristol, I feel like is going to be a, a hot tempered race. Um, if some of these playoff drivers run into issues because there is so much on the line. All right. Well, it was an exciting one for sure. Uh, what a way to click off, uh, get the playoffs going. And uh, like you said, I mean, next week or the next is it next week? Yeah, that's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be uh, a lot of fun as as we get going for the uh, the second race of this round. Uh, it'll be two weeks time on September the 14th from Bristol. Of course, you can tune in at 830 p.m. Eastern time for countdown to green um, and <laughs> buckle up because uh, we are in store for quite a championship battle. I think it may be the most well-rounded um, playoff grid that we have seen, right? Um, I've seen some people kind of tweeting out their brackets. And in years past, um, there's like, all right, well, you can kind of safely guess on at least two or three of the championship four, right? This year could be anybody. Um, so it's so competitive. Um, and, and hopefully everybody tunes in and, and we have a good show at Bristol. Yeah, it's been great racing all year, and uh, the playoffs are living up to expectations. So, Evan Pasoko, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking Coke racing. Absolutely. I appreciate the invite, guys, and uh, we'll talk to you in two weeks. We'll see what happens. All right. We'll see you then. Uh, even with the lockdown, get to go on any good road trips this summer, guys. 
I haven't. I'm trying to keep it home. I work from home, stay, stay at home. That's the plan. Well, it does look like iRacing is getting to go. So uh, first thing we're going to cover in the topics, Evan Pasoko posts um, a pass me the keys Twitter to iRacing. Um, and it looks like they're focusing on dirt ovals on this trip. Yeah, it's a picture of the iRacing van, uh, a gray van with uh, the logo on the side. And that's where they carry all the scanning equipment when they go and scan at least in uh, North America. But uh, Greg Hill did confirm that uh, they're loading up the van for a big dirt oval focused scan trip. So is is that they're going to a big dirt oval or it's just a big trip that's dirt oval focused? I wonder if it's gonna be something where they just hit all, hit as many tracks as they can get. That's what right? I'm thinking. The word focused indicates more than one. What is what is the big area? Like, I'm not familiar with all this place. The, the Midwest. Midwest, the Midwest? And Midwest and Mid-South, there's a lot of dirt tracks down here Kenny too. I think Kenny Schrader, you know, where does, where does Kenny run? St. Louis, uh, Kenny Wallace runs a lot in, Saint, in the St. Louis area. Right, so just, uh, you know, call up Kenny Wallace or Kenny Schrader and see where they're going and uh, hey, just follow along. You know, they're racing almost every night, I think, in some cases through the summer. So you could scan a bunch of tracks that way. I love the word focus. I really think that means more than one. Now, in the replies to the Twitter, I mean, there was speculation, of course. I mean, uh, and, and of course, everyone who wants to put in, you know, their favorite dirt oval and just throw it out there, you know, hoping. Well, we're kind of sort of talking what might be new content. Let's jump right into actually announced new content. We have a whole series of videos, and I did get a chance to preview these this morning. Uh, the first one is a set of... Uh, shots of the new Porsche 911 GT3 cup. I guess this is going to replace the uh, old cup car that was, uh, well, cup, that might be confusing, the old Porsche cup car that was basically um, almost the rough cup, right? Um, it's a it's a really nice looking car with a slightly brushed metallic look and a lot, a lot of nice uh, moves. I, the track looked like Sebring, but a couple of the turns I didn't recognize. I think that's the Hockenheim track. If I... If I'm mistaken, there I think that's the new track that they're coming up with that's coming out. Now, you know, Porsche is an awesome partner, you know, and iRacing really goes all out for Porsche more so, I think, than, than others. And in this case, the this car, I mean, they put it on all the social medias. They had not one uh, YouTube video, but two. Uh, YouTube videos. They had a you know a Twitter with a video. They had a um, Instagram with nice uh, screenshots. Um, lots of coverage of this. Uh, Porsche was all, obviously uh, covering it as well. Yeah, David. It says Hockenheim is the track. That's interesting. I need to go ahead and get that track because some of those turns it looked it, it was like that almost looks like Sebring. Um, at this point, you might think that um most of the top brass at uh, iRacing should be cruising around in Porsches, no? <laughs> I just don't, I mean, I'm not a road guy, so I don't really get it. You know, all these cars look exactly the same to me. I mean, I really can't tell the difference just like in a casual glance. That's and, okay. Uh, Porsche has been like that for 50 <laughs> years now, isn't it? Well, supposedly this one's easier to drive is kind of the message. Uh, they show them kind of doing some power slides and different things like that, and they're able to, to, you know, to hold the car better. It's got a better balance. It's 
the old, if I remember much from the when I was trying to qualify with the old cup car, it's very, very, very loose under braking, and even their RSR with all the tech, all the uh, stuff on it is is a loose car in it. I think just because the Porsche having the boxer uh, motor sitting behind the, you know right on the axles of the the tires it's it's very very twitchy under braking and i think if this one handles a little bit better i think it'll be a fun car to drive yeah all the porsches definitely have a similar style and they're pretty easy to pick out if you're out on the road because they have a unique uh headlight style now with a with kind of the four leds so that that's what always kind of jumps out at me anytime i'm out on the road i have the one that you call the rough ruf and that was kind of before the official first Porsche came in, right? That was when EA still had the license and that they had to call them roughs. Oh, is that what it was? Yes. Yeah. The, no other company could use the Porsche name in any video game because of the 10-year license that EA had until they they were it was up. So then now you can get Porsche. And then I don't think Porsche is ever going to sign that deal again. Right. They're getting a lot of traction with iRacing right now. So... Pretty, I think I'm sure they're in, happy with that. In general, they're just getting it. It's easier to, to promote your own name instead of letting just one entity do it, right? Okay, so let's move on. What's uh, Maybe this is where the van is going, Tony. Where do you think? That'd be quite a road trip. <laughs> That'd be one heck of a road trip. Um, they got uh, something crazy going on here that's in uh, Saudi Arabia. It's called the Jeddah Track. So they got like lightsabers and x-wings and stuff flying around there i don't think it's jedi oh well it should be um it's actually it's kind of a a a neat picture i've never seen you know the creation of these tracks i'm kind of you get a nice overview got some parts completed um yeah it's kind of a neat picture it's this is going to be a very twisty and aerodynamic track i i don't know how they're calling i think they're calling it in some of the posts the fastest uh street circuit which is not really a street circuit so in the first picture it's kind of the overhead view the the track along the left side goes along the coast of the ocean and uh and i'm thinking runoff you know fia you know we need runoff well how about the runoff in that right hander scoop uh the runoff's right off into the water I'm pretty I, sure you got something better than me. I was just going to say some smart ass comment. There's no, no runoff. Uh, it's literally like, uh, you know, 50 feet from the edge of the water. And if you were to go, I imagine if you were to go off the track right there, you'd end up in the water. So it's kind of like thing, the Nashville bridge, right? Yeah. The thing is, is, uh, this track, and I, I think uh, I, I agree with what Tony said is we don't really often see a track being built from the, the beginning processes we've seen like tracks been repaved and things like that, but we never get to see this process of something being made from scratch. Not since Abu Dhabi probably. Yeah, pretty much. That's probably the last brand new track, but I don't even remember. I don't know if I remember even seeing images of them doing it. Actually, that's a lie. I think I remember because I remember that whale, that, yeah. that whale hotel was like a big thing when that was finally finished. Well, why are we talking about a formula one track? Well, cause you know, we're going to hopefully they're going to scan it at some point. I'm wondering what the way that the world's going right now with all these out, outside tracks, if these are ones that that iRacing's just going to purchase the scans of themselves instead of actually getting or going out and doing it so that they don't have to travel around the world. It's working so far with, uh, you know, the European Formula One tracks they've added recently. 
Let's keep moving. Uh, damage updates for season four, 2021. We get a post from Greg West. I'm going to read uh, some of this. He said, with the season four release, members will see notable updates to the manner in which the LMP1, LMP2, GTE, GT3, and supercars are able to repair damage. The systems updated include both steering and aerodynamic damage. The user experience should now be greatly improved, notably in endurance races where steering can be completely repaired. So the steering wheel is straight while aerodynamic damage can be repaired as well. The end result is an accident may require a lengthy pit stop, but the car will have the opportunity to be competitive after the repairs have taken place. We are excited to have these updates applied in time for the Bathurst 1000 and the Petit Le Mans special events that are in the next endurance events on the calendar. Right, that would be nice. Well, yeah, this kind of emphasis puts, sorry, Tony, this puts that emphasis on, you know, staying with it, you know, not jumping out because uh, it's always disheartening if you're slow and trying to run a long distance race. Yeah. Once again, Greg, I was just going to interject with some smart ass comment. Like they finally heard uh, about, you know, our plight in the, in the Daytona. Oh, this will be helpful for the next one for schlubs like us. I think you guys did your, your play was already done. I think he left the team. For your so, team. um, so this is the flower patch. The flower patch. <laughs> Title <laughs> idea. Title idea. So somebody wrecks your car. You, you spend 45 minutes, an hour to repair it. And then you can like have a good time. You can race another 22 hours. Everybody can, you know, and be competitive and run real lap times and so forth. I love it. I think it's a great idea. Well, the, the most frustrating thing is if that wheel is not straight. It, those, if, if you can't get the steering straight, you, you, you just can't go. It's, it's, you, you can't keep it under control. Well, I mean, if it's right or left broken one way, when you turn that way, it all of a sudden like, kicks it really hard that way. It's really hard to try and, like David's saying, it's really hard to even know how to adjust your steering inputs for it. Well, are we ready to talk? We're kind of kind of sneak in some results. It looks like, and start talking um, some special results. And I guess I, yeah. I'm going to go humble brag here, right? Yeah, you don't you don't get to lead into this one, Mike. You got to take the wheel for this guy. Yeah, I'm going to read this one off. Um, you know, I put the results in the regular section here because they are special. Um, they're not our normal week to week results. And so we're going to talk David's win here. Uh, Tafosi Racing celebrates a major milestone with the first NIS top split victory. Teammate Greg Hectus comes through and gives David Hall just the push needed to make a dramatic last lap pass for the win uh, in top split. Uh, congratulations, David. Uh, you're running fourth in points. Yeah, it was exciting. Uh, it, it timed out perfect. I told Greg, stay, uh, stay low. Because uh, you'll be able to latch on the draft. And I don't think you were damaged, were you? No, the thing that happened, like, we'll go quickly into this, but I was having major computer issues that race. I started from pit road, and then they, didn't they not wreck coming to the green? And I don't know if we had a wreck. Or they yeah, did. There was, there was a caution yeah. right when I, I joined the server again, because I, I had to reset my computer. So I was a lap down, and I eventually got it back. And then I lost the draft and got lapped. And that was probably with, what, five to go, mm -hmm. I think. And then I kind of got snuck in the draft with you guys. And I, I stopped somebody. I held a couple guys up. 
and then you know you you took your opening and i was able there to uh to help you out but my car was you know my car was fine i was running out of fuel which is what was the problem and you yeah. got a video here of the of that last lap or so and greg you i mean you were putting on a little bit of a block there you know, protecting david i come into the line out of three and four i mean you just moved up a little bit but it caused the guy to jerk up a bit and uh lose his momentum well and i was technically trying to play where nobody ran me over because i ran out of fuel out of four also <laughs> also the uh the leader actually got too far out in front of his help he got he got way out there on on his own and he he said he was kind of lamenting at the end I should have blocked, but if he had tried to throw a block at, with that run, th there was going to be no lifting. I was either going to pull over and miss him or we were all going to die. Yeah. I, I was, I was watching it and I'm like, well, you know, we've already made our, uh, our bed. Let's see what happens. So, but it, it was exciting and I was running very consistent at Daytona all week. We'll get it more into that, but it, it was a definitely, you know, you need help. And, and luck to win at the plate track, but I was in position three times and, and finally had the help, and boom, it happened. Well done. Um, so were the nerves any different than normal uh, when you're in a, uh, a win situation in a top split? I don't really... In this kind, of, I, I, you're having to concentrate too hard here to get nervous. I think it where you can get nervous is when you're driving around, say at Darlington with a 10 second lead, and thinking about all the things that could go out of control because there's, <laughs> oh. cause there's you know nothing else going on. Uh, but in this situation, there's there's too much going on. I can't be nervous when when I'm in when I'm having to react. We need the uh, was it what do they call it pedometer. Uh, data i was thinking about actually buying one of those just just for racing i don't like to wear watches under normal circumstances but yeah it would be neat well very well a nice win i mean uh we wanted to take a special mention of it because it is top split it really means something i mean a daytona win is big to begin with but um when you're in the top split it's those are hard to win so i mean well done and then I get to return to favor. Uh, last night, we were at the big uh, 500, and it's crown jewel race going to Mike, Mr. Ellis. He takes the Southern 500 in uh, his seventh, 76th win. I can't believe it. I can't believe I want it. And I'm not a fan of the long races. I, even during the race, I'm like, yeah, this is way too long. Lap 200 to lap, what, 310 is probably one of the most monotonous part of that race well greg I, you were telling me this is the point of the race where the east coast guys are dropping like flies well and that's one of the things that was you know what did we get i, I think i finished we finished at what 12 and my it was 12 50 my time i think is when online finishing yours was like a couple minutes behind um but you know it's the time zones that can really affect it like for me on the east coast time i was up from six eight o'clock in the morning or i've been up earlier than that till midnight and your one hour that one hour can really make a difference even for yours right yeah i mean i'm it's six to ten my time which is okay i mean that's my note i usually go to bed at 10 so it's perfect but so I had no problem. I I mean, it was a great race. I led a, the most laps. I had the fastest lap of the race. Um, I had a guy at the end who was faster than me. And it was just like David said a moment ago in the mo as far as uh, 
being nervous, I was the leader and it was 20 to go. And the guy was seven seconds back and hunting me down half a second at a time. And, uh, and he was coming and he, he, he caught me and he went on by and I was, as, as you know, Greg, I, you heard me. I was frustrated. I was pissed. I felt like I gave up the win, and I had effectively. Uh, as we came to the white, uh, I was three and a half seconds back from him. He had it easily won. On the back stretch, I come around on the white, and he's down on the inside into the wall. No idea why. No other cars around. I drive on by and win the race. And 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 this is like a lesson for perseverance, right? You could have easily just given it up and maybe lost a whole bunch of even I don't know how far was there anybody else that was close to you in the no they were eight wise? seconds back so I had second locked up you know and I was just bringing it home at that point but you're right I mean you got to stay in it because anything can happen and even though that I, that I conceded the win to that guy at that point he lost the race and and that's the thing like we don't have parts failures or anything like that on here you have I guess the parts failures would be computer issue related, or if you do have a little bit of damage or something in the car, you can overheat and pop it, but you either crash or something like that. That's the only way that somebody's going to go out. Um, so when something like this happens, it's like, you know, you got to take it, you, you know, you were, you put yourself in that spot by racing as hard as you did. Yeah. And um, so I'll take the win. I don't feel bad that the guy had, he said he had a, a graphic tearing on the last lap. So it was a graphical issue where he couldn't see or something momentarily, and he wrecked. And uh, I feel bad for him. I mean, he deserved a win. He was faster than me. He had a better strategy. We had a green flag stop uh, before the end there, and I had stopped a few laps before him, and uh, he had better tires. And that, you know, I, I think I lost the race because of that. But yeah, he was faster and he was going to win it. But you know what? I'll take it. 76 career win. It's a crown jewel race, you know. I think Tony was saying, you know, I've won the 500, I've won this. Now I need to, I need to win the 600 and the Indy race. What um, if it's gra graphics tear? Could he have been maybe his system was getting taxed and like overheating? Maybe, maybe he's just so long running it. Just the last lap. I mean, what's the chances? He's 20 seconds, not even 15 seconds from the checker. Uh, was the other thing about this win is it was redemption for me because of my wheel problems. And because of my brain problems on Sunday night, I basically blew the engine by misshifting. I shifted down instead of up like an idiot. It wasn't uh, an equipment failure. It was a brain failure. <laughs> I felt pretty bad about it. And then Monday night, uh, I had wheel problems in the league race, and uh, which caused me to basically rip my steering wheel out of my cockpit finally, drag it into the living room, and put my feet on it and just literally pry off that wheel until it about broke my collarbone. In fact, it's still sore um, on my collar, but I got it off. I finally got the freaking wheel off. And so I told uh, Greg, you know, if this thing fails during the Southern 500 once, if anything goes wrong with this, I'm going to take it the bat to it and we're going to smash it into a million pieces. But guess and what? I, it didn't fail. <laughs> and I said we were that was definitely becoming a social social media post because uh, we definitely missed out on the you cranking it and trying to get it off as a social media post in the first part. We needed that video. I was tempted to film that, but it was kind of a compromising position. <laughs> it still would have been funny. <laughs>
We do like to avoid uh, showing Mike in compromising positions. <laughs> okay, we'll talk more results later in the show. Uh, but yeah, congratulations, David, on your uh, top split Daytona and then by Southern 500. And then uh, Brian had a, a chance to talk with Chris Scales about his first OBRL win. All right, fellas. So uh, we also had some more great uh, results this week for Team Tafosi, and uh, here to talk about it is far too infrequent host uh, Chris Scales. Chris, you want to tell us about your race on Sunday? Yeah, yeah. Like I said it was actually uh, we talked a little bit. And I said it wasn't a whole lot to tell because it was kind of a a boring race for me up until the end of it. But um, the first ninety percent, like I was actually struggling a little bit because I got broke off of the main pack early and then that pack actually was broken again and i ended up back in um the third pack and so i really i mean you know the way those guys race like there's they don't mess up much and so you know once you're kind of behind you're probably just gonna stay behind and i wasn't counting on a caution especially kind of the way at least not an early one, <laughs> kind of the way this new package is and kind of the single file on the bottom. Okay, but, so so uh, just for clarification, this is uh, the Daytona race for the Old Bastards uh, Metro Cup Series, correct? Yeah, did we not say that? We should probably say that. We're So you're probably just getting a little bit of that aftermath spilled in there. We're really bad about saying what we're talking about or sometimes even mentioning series that we sponsor. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> So tell us how how finished up there, Chris. Well, yeah, the finish was yeah a lot more dramatic because we had we did end up having a, a couple of cautions, but just for uh, smaller incidents from what I can remember. But then uh, we might have one that was wide up a few cars. But then um, coming to I think it was coming to the white flag, um, poor Tom Ogle got spun by just some netco between him and i think it was Dwayne, but the, the cars were just close and i mean not that close there was a good foot and a half gap and netco bit him which it, that was kind of that was kind of a theme for that race there was it was a little buggy but that kind of just gave us a three car breakaway and Dwayne kind of had the high line i gave him kind of a a little shove to try to push him up next to the into the spot that would slow down josh's car and then just started turning left and hoped that i could get past josh and he wouldn't try to block me and he didn't so <laughs> but that's all there was to it i beat him by five it was pretty freaking close there at the line but something so we tried to race a race earlier today and something that you should probably keep in mind when you're at those drivers meetings is they say that little thing at the end you know if you finish in the top three, take your car to the line for the picture. Well, when you don't ever, that never happens. That just kind of washes over. And so when the race was over with, I forgot <laughs> about that. And I was glad I checked up a little bit more, you know, right off the bat that those guys did, because if they weren't in front of me, I would have just kept on going and started doing burnouts. I, I forgot all about the victory picture. So, so this is your first win in OBRL, correct? Yeah, first win in OBRL, and I think it was my, only my second podium, so it's not like I was used to taking those things. Well, that's awesome, buddy, man. 
we all know how tough those guys are, um, especially that that core top group in OBRO are super tough. So uh, congratulations, that's awesome to get the FOSI in the in the uh, winner's circle at, in any race, yet alone a OBRO league race. So congratulations, buddy. Yeah, it's a freaking. It was a tough one, and but what a, a great week for Tafosi. And I think the only thing that might have been tougher was winning a top split NIS race, which David had to do. But <laughs> congratulations, David! All right, man. Congratulations. We'll catch you soon. Hope this gets you back on as soon as often as soon as possible, buddy. All right. Thanks a lot, Brian. And it was definitely a successful week for Tifosi. Had a lot of good things happen. We'll get into more of those as well later on when we jump back into results. Let's hit, get back into topics and talk some more season four releases. We have some videos, a series of them. The first one talking about IA or IA AI racing. And uh, Tony, did you get a? I know you uh, were interested in the AI topic. Did you get a chance to look at this video as well? No, no. Um, all my focus went into the one that's coming up in a, in a couple of topics. So I got no idea what this is all about. And I, I just about stepped on myself here because I was like, I think this is all road stuff. So I fell asleep, but I do see a, an oval car snuck in there. So what uh, is coming to it? AI is including the new supercar or the it's going to include the supercar V8s, super late models. It's going to have Bathurst and the Phillip Isle. Um, there's a bunch of cars that are being added to the ink tracks that are being added to the AI. Yeah, and this this video was a, was a nausea that was particularly excited about the the uh, supercars being added. I'm I'm actually really interested to uh, you know it'd be good practice to run Bathurst with the V8s to just get ready for that event. So this is a, the, the next several topics, guys, are short videos that iRacing put out that are one to two minutes that showcase season four uh, content that's upcoming. And so this first one is, hey, you're going to have AI uh, in supercar, super late model, and then we're adding Bathurst and Phillip Island. Now, super late model really gets my attention. That's a fun car on a short track like a Thompson Speedway or a Bristol Motor Speedway or something like that. And, uh, you know, with the AI, you know, to be able to go in there and like practice and kind of lean on the AI more than you would in a real race, you know, because you don't want to wreck anybody. But you could get aggressive in an AI race, you know, and uh, it might it'd be pretty fun, actually. Yeah, they're not going to threaten to buy you a, a plane ticket so you can come visit them after, after you wreck them, right? I thought that was only you. No, that was a, another fella. You don't remember who that was? <laughs> The other thing is the person talking during the video is different each time, and it is an iRacing staff member. I think I heard Christian Schalliner on one of them for sure. I think Aussie Greg Hill was on the first one. Uh, I don't know, David, if you recognize any of the other people. Uh, one of them was Greg West, I'm, I believe, in there at some point. Uh, it was definitely Challenger is easy to to recognize his with voice. his uh, accent, yeah, uh, it, and I've I run with him in majors, so I've I've talked to him on there and heard him interviewed several several times because he wins like every other race. Uh, the next the one of the videos is it's featuring some Class D road updates, which is a lot of the lower level uh, Class D cars. Greg, you check this one out. 
Yeah, so this one I thought was interesting because I was like, what does it mean by Class D road update? What are they doing? And I, th I, f I forgot what p was part of all this series, but then they, it, when they're explaining it, so they got the Ford Mustang, uh, the Pontiac Solstice, and the Kia are getting, uh, there's a new tire update to it, but also there seems to be some brake bias uh, adjustments now with these cars as well to take some of the oversteer that was on them to out of it to uh, help them... Uh, uh, you know, perform a little bit better on the track. So it'll be interesting to see what they've done to the parameters of the tire to run them a bit better. But I think one of them, they described the Pontiac Solstice, instead of having more of a street tire, it now has a racier tire, which will bring the racing, uh, you know, down the track, on the track a lot, a lot, make it a lot better. And it is it specifically mentioned having a wider range of brake bias adjustment on the, on the Mustang. Yeah. And that's important in that car because that car, is very 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 heavy on the nose and it it's not really the one of the better ones to run if you're in that series it's mostly miatas that you're going up against and then you got the big mustangs out there that you know down the straightaways are fast but in the corners they get eaten up i think one thing i took away was they said the pontiac, pontiac solstice would be a competitive car against the other ones in its class uh, more so than it used to be um a lot of people wouldn't pick it because it's kind of the, the potato out there, but uh, they made some changes to it to make it better. And so it's interesting. And I, and that Solstice, that's the one of the free cars, right? So that would be anyone that signs up, you would already have that. So yeah. that, you know, that's kind of a nice thing that they're updating a car that's in the, the free range too, right? I think the Kia is too, isn't it? And a couple of those leagues that like to run funny combinations, they run those cars a lot. So they they may enjoy these updates. Yeah, I ran the Kia Optima on an oval in some hosted race a few weeks ago, and that was a blast. I mean, it was a really fun squealing the tires. But now we have the new tire model, uh, whatever that is called, um, on these cars. And I'm anxious to see how it runs, if it's different. Um, so for the, uh, for the classic car guys... The Lotus 49, another one of the road cars, is also getting an update. And uh, this is the video I think that Challenger did. And essentially, it boils down to they're working on getting a better feel in the tire, so that it's easier to tell as you when you're approaching the limit instead of instead of it just kind of becoming a surprise. Yeah, and um, one theme in in this one and the Lotus 79 video was they. We're trying to make the setups from the period be more, or, or make it drive more like the car from the exact period. Like, a, I'm, I'm kind of jumping ahead, but the other Lotus uh, video basically said just that. They uh, ran, they found a setup from the 67 season or whatever they were, uh, uh, were talking about, and they were basically using the same exact setup, and they've changed some of the, the characteristics of the car to make it, you know, more lifelike, I guess. Also more, uh, they're, they're providing more sets for each track, I believe, instead of just having to load the, the, I guess what completely stock sets or base sets. Right. Specific road sets. And then on oval, I think they had high, high and low down force for the 79. Do you think that some of this, uh, this, directly translate to having Dale Earnhardt Jr. being more part of some of this stuff. It seems his MO to be, you know, be more period specific with some of these things and how they work. I mean, he doesn't have any background with these cars, but it just seems his MO for, um, you know, 
let's get the setups right and make the car, you know, back to the period correct. Maybe on the setups, but as far as the tire model, I think they've just been really working on the tire model specifically for all the road cars because like half of these videos are each of the road cars. The next one is the GT3, right? They've made a big change on the GT3s. Uh, which is including focusing on the feel of the tires and in the high speed corners like Eau Rouge at Spa. And most of your older setups will probably be too loose now. Also, they've worked on the cold, the, the, the tires handling under cold and how they respond to heat, uh, where they'll be a little bit worse under the cold, but will, uh, will peak with the handling and after a few laps. And then there should be some fall off and then recovery as if, as the car gets lighter from the fuel burn off. And this is one of the more popular cars to run because this would be like what the VRS series and things like that or the GT3s. There's a VRS Sprint series. It's the one you actually run when you run the 24-hour spa, right? Uh, there's also a VRS Endurance series that's uh, three-hour long races, I believe. So, yeah, this, these cars get run a lot. So that's good for the roadside. That's a definitely an awesome update to have uh, to see if they can get some more feel out of the cars. Look, nobody would point the finger at iRacing if they never touch these older cars again, like the Lotus 49, the Lotus 79, the Kia Optima, you know, their heyday has come and gone. And I don't think any iRacing members would fault iRacing if they never updated them, but they, they are, they're going back to these ancient cars that nobody drives and you're making them 2021 worthy. Let's put the latest tire on it. Let's give it, a once over and make sure it's it's period specific like the lotus 79 they made some adjustments to it where it's likely slower times in the slower technical corners and higher and similar times in the high house horsepower high speed area so they they, they found i needed to make some adjustments there uh based on downforce and or whatever and, and they did and and so um it, it's very cool, I think, that they're they're kind of going back to the the back catalog and and updating everything. It's great. That forty nine though, and seven, especially the seventy nine, have quite a few leagues that that are that are uh, that have good numbers though. So those cars are not completely in the no drive status. Don't they have a Grand Prix series that's on the 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 NASCAR Network Spotlight now or whatever it is? Always shows up on like a Sunday morning. I would see it on Facebook or something like or come across. But David, when we ran that 79 at Long Beach, it is a fun car to, to run. It's just, it, it was difficult to, uh, to know at that track. I don't know what it's like at a higher speed track, but it was fun at the Long Beach course. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. I remember running the 49 the year before and that one was, uh, that one was a nightmare. And the, the old transmissions, if you don't use any, any blip assists, were a lot more challenging to use. You jump in and treat the car, you just flip the pedal. These, you had to blip when decelerating, and you had to clutch when accelerating. Okay, so we're going to keep moving. The next one is the is a big one for us, I think. NASCAR shock updates. And so they've made changes to the A, uh, the, the, the A excuse me, the B and the C to make it more like the next gen shock. So they're changing the shocks on B on B and C. And so it's gonna have a few less adjustments, it says. The previous shocks only allowed for low speed adjustments. Now you'll be able to adjust, adjust for track specific characteristics. Uh, they put out a video about it. And then there's a user guide as well 
called the shock tuning user guide. And, and so if you learn how to tune these shocks, it's going to work on next gen, uh, uh, B and C, um, respectively. And so this is a kind of a change in direction, uh, to get the three more in, in line with each other. So there, so as you learn and progress up through, you know, C, B and A, uh, what you've learned in shocks goes with you. Well, also yeah. the, the B car and the C car in real life has the more advanced shocks, even though they're still trying to run some of the older body styles and carburetors, except some of the older technology, they, they are up to date on the shocks in real life. Well, they put a lot of, they put a lot of money into that shock, the shock programs and a lot of these, these, uh, play, these companies, but Obviously, the car that's let out, left out of that is the A car, and is that because of the series that's still competing right now? You think, where they didn't update that it's car? It's going away. It's a retired it? car in just a couple months. Yeah, it's yeah going to become a legacy car. It's still, you know, it still would have been something that they, if it's a package, they could have thrown, possibly thrown it on. I get what you're saying. I'm thinking it wasn't done because it's being run in a competitive series. Well, it's just like they're not working on the damage model with the A car because it's going away, right? They're just, they're not they're going to burn resources on any major updates to that that car. Now, looking at this PDF, I mean, I don't know. I guess you have to be an engineer to understand what's going on here because I have no idea. How about the jet car, Mike? This ain't the jet. The, car. Oh, this, this isn't the, the jet car. car. This is the Indy car. Sorry. Yeah. Well, it uh, it's getting tire updates as well. Um, it says you're going to be able to drive the car more on the edge, and there's going to be more strategy options between the two tire co compounds. And uh, you know, this car is getting all the the treatment as well. Yeah, if, I I did watch the video. I was the one who put together the notes actually on on this set of videos, and they were actually doing some drifting almost with the cars and being able to hold on to it. Well, that's the biggest problem that used to be in these cars is if you get it washed out at all, it was done. You were spinning out no matter what. You weren't, if you lost traction in the back, there wasn't really a save to it. There was no miss, you know, helping with the handling. So this here is definitely, you know, it feels like it's more of a, maybe a more forgiving tire compound. That's the way these videos, all of them, that's the common thread. You'll be able to to manage it easier it, you know you can find the edge of grip before it slips easier the transition but you know is more smooth you know before you lose it well and it's, a lot of it is such a slow speed it's like slow speed corners where they spin and it just it doesn't make any sense and i, I think didn't we have when we were doing the coverage of like the uh the indycar series didn't joseph newgard not he said something like these tires don't even feel like anything close to what they were running in real life. So maybe this kind of would bring it better, to, or, you know, closer to that that way for them. Well, they say that specifically that they got IndyCar driver input uh, to facilitate these changes. This next one is exciting, Tony. Yes, sir. It is so. This one's awesome, and I know a lot of people have been asking for it. Um, we've we've talked about this. Uh, here, as well as on the aftermath, um, AI hosted is coming to iRacing. Finally, um, this has been long overdue, in my opinion. Um, I'm excited. This this works in hosted and and league. So you throw up a hosted or you got a, a got a league and it's a little on the shy side. 
fill it up with AI and you can all still race. Whoever shows up can still race. You just got some AI to crash out or, uh, you know, do what you will with. But, uh, yeah, this, this is good stuff. I'm excited about this. Cause, um, you know, if I want to jump on, do some practice with, uh, with Lisa, we can do this together and, and have some AI and just nobody else. So we can just go and figure stuff out or, you know, we're working on certain things. Um, finally, finally. Right, you could have a passworded hosted room with you and Lisa. Nobody else can get in, but you have 40 cars. Yep, actually, exactly. This would be just good just even for us, like, you know, a Tafosi right. race and then fill it up with the rest AI and just have fun, right? Yeah, we get five or six of us in there with our sets, you know, that we're testing. We'll do AI for the other cars and yeah. Next hosted race, we all jump in in. P1 LMPs and stick uh, Mazdas out in AI and, and run around an oval. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. If one of these cars throws a bad block or wrecks David, do they have to worry about getting protested? <laughs> what I was thinking is in my head when I saw this was when I'm on the track, is it going to be easy to tell an AI driver from a real driver, like on the relative? I mean, is it just going to say Tyler Hudson? And I can't, you know, if I'm not savvy, I don't know if that's a real person or not. Well, here's the thing, Mike. Um, it's up to the uh, up to the host of the server, but they can put in whatever um, whatever lineup they want. So you want, you know, um, like the NASCAR guys, throw them in there. You want other uh, like F1 guys or indie guys. Oh, they make the roster. Yeah, yeah. The host controls the roster. So around here, sometimes cops will leave a cop car sitting somewhere just to make people slow down. Even and they'll just leave it empty and sit it sit it in a in a location for a while. Uh, so it'd be pretty funny if we just started having them cross AI happen to run several official races somewhere just to just kind of keep people in their toes. Just have there's 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 nine Nem crosses on it, and actually Nem cross joins the host room. What are you gonna do then? And it says something about, like, if the host leaves the room, then the AI leaves with him. Talk about packing up and leaving. <laughs> and taking your ball and going home. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, um, I'm taking my AI with me. And then if he joins back in, then they all join back in. What, what happens if you're at, say, Daytona, and you fill the field up, say, half and half, and there's a big one? Do the AI just drive straight? Like, I don't know how the AI works in that day i don't think i've ever tested it at daytona but what what's gonna happen if they just go flying in and just completely wreck everything so i haven't tried this obviously but i'm just trying to think how this would work what if okay so i put up a hosted room it has a practice a queue and a, a race are the ai part of the practice and if so i have you know the three let's say there's three of us and the rest are ai so then a fourth one of a, a fourth team member joins. Does does that mean one of the AI people just magically disappears when somebody joins? Or I mean, how does that? I, I'm just you know trying to imagine how that works. Or do they add the AI just for the race, and that's not the practice? Well, if it is practice, Mike, it better be programmed properly. Where you go out there, they only go out there in hot lap, two laps at a time. Go back down pit road, change fool around and go back out for another couple laps, spin out, wreck some things. There better not be any long runs because there's nobody in practices that ever do any long, long runs. Except well, for David. If I understand this correctly, um, you 
there's an option that you can set. So like, you know, the AI drivers can only compete in AI enabled cars, but um, you can allow other iRacers to run in cars that were designated for AI. So basically what you're saying is you could have a field of say the, the host could have one spot and then there's 42 spots. He sets it up as AI and it just knocks AI off as it comes in. That's how I understand it. So just don't quote me on that, but that's how I understand it. You've been radioed. So like David said, you, you, you and your teammates are on the LMP ones and then you put the rest of the AI and the star Mazdas and they're like moving chicanes. I just think it would be interesting to see if, uh, how you how it would work in in a race like just how their strategy and everything would you know i'm just thinking of our league that we run and if they added the back of the field another 10 cars that were different right like mike if you came in late would you have to start behind all the ai in that too yeah lots of questions (laughs) and i think jeff marble you know he's got a big question on his plate you know we've been talking about trying to fill the field over there at you know fast track racing and uh this might be the ticket. If I noticed any, know anything that we've learned from the league, they don't like change. So I don't know if that's going to be something that they change. Imagine an AI winning a league race. <laughs> oh, my. What would I'm that be? The AI points? to the win for Talladega. Is that a win and you're in? <laughs> Is that how the <laughs> manufacturers, they, uh, they, they all work together at like the restrictor point. So the AI works together just like Tafosi does. Well, I'll definitely be experimenting with this um, in hosted, um, and and to try to get these answers. I'm gonna, I want, I have a lot of questions about how this works. Do we have another tease video here coming up uh, in this? Uh, what do we have here? Hashtag soon. Oh, I probably considering the hash, the other hashtag. Yeah, ha- hashtag H U N, which is what Hungary, right? Hungering. Yeah, it's hungering. And so it's a onboard video of a F3 car or something going around the track. Nope. Uh, it's the, it's the, uh, it's the F1 McLaren. Uh, coming soon. Uh, just like everything we've talked about. I mean, everything on the show has been like season four. This is what's coming. Boy, lots of uh, content. Well, not content, but changes to content, like the tire updates and the, the car updates on all those different road cars and the AI changes. Hey, Tony, you sent this one in uh, kind of to reminisce, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It, I, I was just, uh, you know, cycling through YouTube, kind of going down the old rabbit hole, if you will. And this one came across my my viewing pleasure. And so I was like, oh, tempers. I like tempers. Uh, the, these are fun videos to watch. And sure enough, second one in is when Bubba has his racing meltdown. And um yeah, it, it brought back some funny memories because I was like, oh, yeah, I laughed at this last year. I'm laughing at it again. This is great. And it shows him literally stopping on track, in the groove, slam on the brakes, and hold down the exit key, you know, so and get out of the car. Oh, yeah, full rage quit. Um, <laughs> it doesn't get any better than that. That's, that's, that's how you do it. If you're looking for the rage quit Hall of Fame, well, nothing got thrown or smashed, so I guess we're missing out on that, but... Um, yeah, yeah, he 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 went uh, Kyle Busch, big time. So no baseball to a two thousand dollar base. <laughs> he he took his baseball, and went home. He he screams peace out as, as soon as he hits the uh, quit button. These videos are such rabbit holes, and once you start going into them, you find multiple ones after another after another, and then there goes the hour. 
Oh, yeah, they're dangerous. The the best video still of all time, though, of, of reaction videos was not a rage quit. But was it was it Roger or was it Malik that got up and um, with the car still rolling when he when he took a win? To yeah, like he stood up out of the chair, like right after the checker or after the line. The car is still, yeah, rolling. Yeah, that was Malik, I think. We'll talk about Malik and the Coke race a little bit, but I think it looks like we have an Operation Motorsport Benefit race coming up. It's the four hours at the Glen. Here's a reminder of it. We talked about this a couple times. It is on September 12th, and the mission is to engage through the motorsport. All right. Through the motorsport, ill, injured, or wounded service members that are disabled veterans affected by military service by leading to their aid and rehabilitation. Uh, basically, it's trying to get iRacing gear for uh, for veterans, disabled veterans. Um, it's been 20 years since 9-11, and they're aiming to recognize and remember the first responders who laid their lives down as well and the service members who pushed forward afterwards. Yeah, don't forget to register at madsimracing.com. The other uh, reminder race is the eight-hour IMSA at Daytona. Um, is September 18th. Uh, it's a benefit for a local autism organization, um, and that's in the forums. Uh, you can also find the link on our website. But uh, we always want to help support autism and, and good causes like that. So, hey, if you guys want to race, uh, get signed up here. Um, I don't know the specific link to sign up. You'll have to get more information from the forum link. Is it, are we able to have eight cars in an IMSA race now? Or in, yes. Uh, yeah, you can have eight? Okay. Yeah. Um, the There's three GT3s now in the IMSA fields with the four, with the five gtes no four gtes and um and the lmp okay all right let's talk podcast housekeeping tony the aftermath uh was missing a host at some point and rambled <laughs> on and on and but it was entertaining yeah yeah well we had um uh Tom Ogle from uh the old bastards league he won the uh aftermath truck series uh championship so we had him on what a great guest and yeah <laughs> how about that i bail halfway through um those guys did a great job on their own they they didn't need me there i was just kind of slowing things down anyways there um that was a good show that was really good i enjoyed listening to the second half of that just kind of kicking back and hearing those guys go at it i thought the captain was always supposed to go down with the ship oh i did i did i'm down there kind of holding it up just keeping out of the way this this time it was the ship went down with the captain. <laughs> yeah, and it was good to hear Tom Ogle and his story. Um, I like the part, you know, he used to go real world racing. Now he's eye racing and it, because it's convenient. You know, it doesn't cost a lot of money. And, he, you know, he talks about stuff like that. Yeah, these old bastards have a lot of stories in their back pockets that we're finding. And um, they are such an interesting bunch we've only really scratched the surface of these fellas so uh hopefully as as we go on we'll be able to get more and more of them on and you know hearing a little uh the tales and stuff that they they got a lot of them have some you know good really good racing stories so looking forward to it all right and we're also over at the performance motorsports network uh, go check them out for anything motorsports and fantasy well that's it we uh finished up 
the regular season and we're on to the playoffs now. And boy, oh boy, I tried that late, uh, late charge there. Couldn't quite make it, but res dog, uh, won the, uh, you know, the regular series champions. And I was able to close the gap a little bit, but yeah, he just, he, he had that thing in the bag, but, uh, that was, I don't know if you, how many uh, you guys had left standing at the end of that last race, but uh, I, I fared out not too bad. I think I actually won the day, but um, that's only because I just had zero picks of anything else. I see. So now we get the big reset. Yeah. And, you know, I wish they would make this a little easier to find the rules for the playoffs. I don't know if they've changed it from last year or not, because I just have not been able to find anything. So I guess we're just going to find out how it works uh, when we go to make our lineups. But last year, so they uh, reset all the, all your picks and you get to, uh, we're down to five usages of each one. Now I think it was last year where, um, you had to pick so many, like you could only pick so many uh, playoff drivers. And in your garage, if you had a playoff driver, you could only swap him for a playoff driver. And if you had just a, uh, a regular guy outside of the playoffs, you could only swap him with another one that was not in the playoffs. So I'm not sure if that's going to carry over or not. Like I said, I just have not been able to find anything on it. And they need to do a better job of getting that information easier to see i think the reason there isn't any clarification of it because i don't think there's any difference between regular season and the playoffs they just give you the five extra count from what i can see there tony well that may very well be like they may have just scrapped the whole playoff idea and just let it run just yeah reset those usages and uh you know just to keep that going and keep that you know keep that uh a little extra interesting but yeah that very well could be According to the, yeah, according to the points, yeah, nothing has changed as of yet. And I would have thought it would have they they would have done it by now. So yeah, maybe this is the way we're gonna go. All right. Well, in the drop down, you can pick uh, playoff points only, and it's all everybody has zero at the moment. The grid is reset. Oh, well, would you look at that? Huh? I don't usually look at this thing on the computer. Usually, it's on my phone. This is cool. You can go through every uh, every race and see what's going on. Huh, neat. Learning stuff. This is fun. I learned stuff good. We talk funny accent now. Yeah. <laughs> Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. Well, let's start talking software and hardware. Yeah, I said that backwards because the first one we're going to talk about is actually software. We have a forum post that was kind of that was sent to us, and it's an, uh, a link from a listener. And we'll read the note that he sent. Hi guys, uh, an amazing free giveaway to talk about on tomorrow's podcast. It's a free giveaway of a 300-hour build time full iRacing cam pack for all cars and tracks. It's absolute broadcast quality used by a broadcaster. Please feel free to share with the lounge community the above link. It has transformed the sim for me in 24 hours already. And the, the, you can go to the forum for the details. This was from Alex Stavovich, a longtime listener downloaded yeah it's just uh saving this tab for sure for after the show there's a zip in there and uh he gives you instructions on what to do with it you have to unzip it and do 
your iRacing folder, basically. And then it says the cameras must be loaded in for each car and track. And he gives step-by-step instructions about what to do. And uh, yeah, I'm going to try this out. I believe, Alex, that it's transformed a sim for him. And I'm going to try it and uh, see what I think. I was just looking at some of the detailed uh, camera choices and stuff like that. There definitely is a nicer um, array of, uh, of angles that, uh, that he's talking about in here. I've never really liked most of the the default pack, you know, when the TV views are usually just kind of too far away and even all of the suspension cameras are, are not terribly great too. I guess they're more for actual setup building, but uh, I'm looking forward to checking this out. Well, at, there is a new camera at Daytona called Spotter and then there's a screenshot one. But the Spotter one, I actually used that a little bit this last week when I was watching some of the teammates and uh, I found it sufficient to kind of monitor what's going on. Um, so I definitely would like iRacing to add that to all the tracks. Well, not just for spotters, but if you're a league admin who wants to watch the track to throw your own cautions, you might want something like that. And you would think the name spotter, it would be like on a spotter stand kind of thing. It's not like that. It's more of a, it's a follow, uh, you know, the action kind of cam. Yeah, we usually, I usually use far chase for that, right? It's basically a far chase, but turned to the side. But an, an actual spotter stand would be would be handy too for somebody who's just watching out for accidents. Like, say they want to run, watch the road course, and and check for an accident that th- they think might be worth calling caution for. Is there anything stopping iRacing from taking this camera pack and you know building it into the package so it's available for everybody without you having to go and zip this and do that and this? I only that they don't ever have a history of just snooping somebody's stuff up without without giving them credit for it, right? Uh, they like to leave a lot of the stuff to the third party guys so that they can continue to also develop it as they go. I mean, when they rolled out the forums and the forums were ugly at the beginning, I mean, we had a user, you know, was able to put up a style sheet pretty quick to make them usable. And iRacing actually embraced that and used it um, in that in that scenario. This is another scenario where they should just do that. I mean, if this is the, the quality that uh, Alex says it is, and uh, I mean, there's like you said, there's not a lot of great cameras to choose from. Why not add you know another twenty or something? It'll be handy, uh, Greg. Would you like to tell us about this uh, two hundred and seventy degree sim racing? Can, what do you, I said I was going to take it. Why do you take it? Because I got to fix the camera here because Brian came in. Rut row. Well, <laughs> came in right at I, it. I'll tell you right now, I did not pre read this, so you're going to get to hear me read this dry. Uh, there's a new Immersa Sim 270 that provides a powerful yet portable display solution for the truly unique sim racing and flying sectors. Um, it offers an uninterrupted and distortion free view spanning. 270 degrees horizontal, which is over twice that of most VR headsets. It's unparalleled in the sense of realism may be experienced where the virtual world is all-encompassing. This is crazy. I mean, this is a company in the UK, and and this guy goes to their facility and tries out their, their thing. And it's like a big old orb, I guess you would call it. You know that has projectors within it. I guess is the way to describe it. the The back of the orb is open, so you can step into it. It's basically got a 
you know, an 80-20 motion cockpit in the center, um, and they call it the Immersa Sim. This would definitely get it done, I think, even better than the triples, right? Uh, VR is handy for me because I can look, and it, 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 I, I love the... I still like the 3D feel, but if I, if I was going to go monitors, this might be the route I would go. I have a feeling because of the way you're sitting in it when you're looking, it would probably resemble VR a lot because it's just the the, the way you're immersed and it's wrapped around you. You don't have, I, I mean, I don't, I haven't run triples, so I don't know how much you see the bezels and stuff, but a full range thing like here where there's nothing cutting it, it would be, I don't know, it would be top notch. Well, you're in VR. How many times do you turn your head, Greg, in, in, in an oval? On an oval, I lean it. I've noticed I've leaned it, but I'll look a little bit depending on it. It's more road for road racing. I use yeah. it for. On an oval, I don't. My head does not budge except on restarts. the The only time I've noticed that I really use VR more is is uh, Bristol. Bristol's the one you really have to be looking ahead. Now, one thing about this, I mean, it's a spear, a, a circle, you know, round ball, so to speak, that you're sitting inside of, basically. And so that means the viewing distance from the eyeball to anywhere on the screen is literally the same distance. And so here's what they say about it. They say the display is totally seamless. Most notable is the eye point viewing distance compared to multiple monitors tilted inward the focal range remains consistent. The whole scene is therefore entirely in focus, so your attention can shift rapidly and without conscious effort. I kind of like how simple it kind of is too, though. It's not really that elaborate. It, yes, it's a sphere, and it, but it's such a very easy setup, it looks like. And it really does good for the immersion if you're sitting in a cockpit that looks like a, a an actual chassis, right? Well, it also looks like it kind of reminds you of like you're sitting in a nose of an airplane. So it's called the Immersive Display Group UK. And uh, check them out. I mean, I don't know a price, but uh, you know what that means. Well, this, uh, this next article is interesting. I have not given it a look, but uh, this almost looks like a paradigm shift in, in uh, graphics, huh? Yeah, this is big news. I mean, Intel Arc is the company's first gaming GPU is going to debut in 2022, according to Engadget.com. And so Intel is basically making their own, uh, you know, high-end graphics cards. And uh, can you imagine, you know, to build a computer and to say, okay, I'm going to do an Intel build, and it's Intel chip and then Intel graphics. I mean, that's kind of cool. I think the – what do you guys think of the name, the ARC? Like, obviously, we got NVIDIA, and you got this, you got ARC. I think it's kind of a catchy name. I mean, they got to name it something. So, yeah, I mean, why not? I like it. More competition yeah, more competition is always better, too. That's going to help drive innovation and price. So, the Alchemist GPUs will support hardware-based ray tracing, mesh shading, variable rate shading, and direct X12 Ultimate. Intel claims they'll be capable of artificial intelligence-driven super sampling as well. So they're starting off with pre pretty good parameters to, to to start their whole program from. Well, you probably wouldn't want to drop a card that's like the equivalent of a 1080, right? <laughs> when you're trying to come in and compete. 
So they did give a quick uh, peek at the art graphics in action. There's a video on this article. Uh, in the video, it shows games including Forza Horizon 4, Psychonauts 2, Player Unknowns Battlegrounds, and Metro Exodus running on the tech. And uh, it, in yes, it looks like the GPUs can also run Cryus Remastered Trilogy. All high-end games, and it's running pretty well from what I see. So more to come. Uh, 2022 is when this is coming. So keep that on the radar. So, Mike, I think you were telling me a little bit earlier that you were really excited about this FGT Elite cockpit. Is this the one? This is it, man. This is my new number one. You know, I saw this today. Somebody put it in the chat. Um, and it's next level racing. And they, uh, they it's an iRacing branded cockpit. Now, we, we talked about next level's racing's uh, entry-level cockpit. That was iRacing branded where they give you a year subscription for free if you buy the cockpit. Now, you can also get the year subscription free if you buy this cockpit. This is a 80-20 profile style cockpit, but it's, I, I, I told Greg, I think it's like the next evolution of an 80-20. And it has to do with, there's no bra brackets to put the 80-20 together. Uh, they are bolting it directly to each other they have it like prefabbed, where it's kind of it's kind of like I want to say pre-assembled, so it's much easier to put together than a traditional eighty twenty rig. I think the the best part that I like about this, Mike, is it's it's offering in a, a formula a GT in a hybrid style, right? Like it's it's not just the GT setup that you get here, but. Um, I kind of, I just, I'm wondering what this new, without using these brackets and stuff in the 8020, I'm not familiar with all the 8020 rigs out there. I don't have one, but this definitely, when I saw this and, and saw it come across my Facebook page, um, definitely caught my interest. And that's why I asked if I can't remember, could, I knew we had talked about next level. I didn't know if this was the one we had seen, but obviously looking at it now, it's, it's really, really nice. Well, yeah, what's different is that um, instead of the brackets, each of the 8020 pieces has some has mounting plates. So there, it's just it comes with the brackets built into the into the profile. Um, what's kind of unique about this, though, is that the uh, vertical profile for the wheel, as well as the uh, shifter, is slightly at an angle rather than straight up and down. Yeah, what's the advantage to that? Maybe just the look of it. I mean, it looks pretty sharp. Yep, it's um, yeah, it mostly is just to look. And triangles are usually a little bit more stable too, right? So, is it is it maybe a reason to maybe be able to tilt it into you while while having the poles further away, so you're not obstructed by anything? Yeah, getting the I, wheel close to you without having those uprights right in the way, like you said. No, you're talking a few inches difference. It's just it's a look. It's purely aesthetic. And the wheel deck that they offer, they offer a flat deck, obviously, but they also offer the kind where you can mount to the front or the side of a, a DD wheel, a direct drive. Um, and, and they have this cool looking bracket thing where you can change the angle of the wheel mount, like, you know, to tilt it um, uh, for and move it forward and back. And so the adjustability in this cockpit is extreme. Uh, like you said, you can go from formula to GT to anywhere in between. 
Um, the only concern I had with it was the pedal deck seems flimsier than the rest of the rig, and I'm worried about flex on the pedal deck. Is there any really good views of what the deck looks like to see? Like, I, I think it looks okay uh, just because of the way that they mounted, but you're right, Mike. There's it's kind of hovering. There's no once it's past the the adjustable points, it's sitting there. You know, depending on how much that uh, give there is in that plate, or not, or even the arms, that's where your flex is going to come from. And the uh, size of the the base profile and the the vertical pylons is uh, on the smaller side, so you're you're having a lot less aluminum holding everything in place here as well. And they so we're saying it makes it light, you know, lighter weight than other cockpits as well. I mean, it does. It is showing a hydraulic setup on it, so I would be, you know, I'd be interested to see, you know, some of the reviews that come out on this once they once they uh, start coming, once they get them shipped. So the Elite iRacing Edition is one thousand ninety nine dollars U.S. And it's got blue accents on it. It's, you know, uh, which is different than the uh, some of the other versions they have. And uh, it's got the iRacing logo on the side and on the upright as well. I kind of wish they would have mixed, maybe say that that uh, seat plate, like seat plate maybe be red, kind of mix in the red and blue, right? But uh, it looks like when you get see one of the pictures here, the seat that they put mount to it, uh, has red uh, racing straps or a seat harness and then a black seat, maybe even a red seat would right. look kind of cool. I'm not a fan of the seat. It's $400 if you want to buy it from them. It looks very comfortable, but I don't know if I would want that seat. So they're shipping it without the seat for 1099 US? Is that well, what the iRacing one Well, I mean, it shows the seat. Yeah, it shows it without the seat for the 1099 Yes. So seats sold separately, but uh, that's a lot. I mean, compared to like a Sim a P, a Sim Labs P1X. So it's a hundred dollars cheaper if you don't get the iRacing edition. So you're basically just getting with the iRacing the different color and the subscription. So they're just giving making it a hundred dollars more. Got to pay for that hundred dollars subscription somehow, <laughs> right? <laughs> now they have way triple of- monitor stands, which looks really nice. I'm actually really interested in this rig too, Mike. This this definitely is something to bookmark for what uh, to see how it is. Well, like you said, uh, to get the reviews first. Uh, but man, I mean, I, I like it. I mean, it's. I mean, if you were to take a an eighty twenty rig that's been around for several years and say, okay, let's let's take it to the next level. Let's and that's the name of this company. You know, let's uh, let's re-engineer it. Let's make it better. I mean, this is kind of something I would maybe dream up. I mean, I love the angles. Um, I love the colors. I love that it's 80-20 and uh, kind of sleek. I like, you know, it's nice that it's got a mouse and keyboard tray accessories that all the mounts, this, all the stuff. It's got the same design to it where it quickly, you know, has the mount on the end of it and you just put the screws in. Yeah, and even have not only a triple monitor stand, but a a quad monitor stand where you would have the triples and then the fourth one up above 700 bucks for that. So you pay 1100 for the cockpit, 700 for the stand, 400 for the seat. 
So I just spent a bunch of money, Tony. What do you think about the value of this? Oh, I, yeah, I don't know. I guess it's about on point, really. Um, I mean, the cockpit itself is it's it's nice. It's a nice looking cockpit. Um, Seven hundred for the monitor stand though that seems a bit much a quad one and it's carbon fiber gray or whatever they're calling it yeah yeah but still i i I don't know i haven't opened it up to take a look at that i've just been watching this video kind of like play over and over and over um but yeah like the the rig itself is nice looking you know 400 for a seat i guess that's about what you know what you're gonna pay is that come with the seat belts and everything or is that separate too well, for that price, you'd think the belts would come with it. Yeah, well, when I bought my rig, I've got an NRG seat, and I paid 400 for that. But that's Canadian, so that's like 50 bucks American, right? Self-deprecating again? A bit. Um, no, I, yeah, for like, you know, what you're getting, like you get the keyboard and mouse tray and all that stuff. Well, if any listeners have to buy this, shoot us in an email on, uh, as we talked about on the podcast housekeeping looks let us know what you think so straight out of the real life motion rig brian's back with us and he's going to tell us about the srt motion system yeah guys how y'all doing sorry for the lateness though um so uh we're going to look at the srt motion system this is a um it's a four actuator platform type of motion system which uh, is going to come with the thanos actuator uh, thanos board and uh a subscription to the Sim Racing Studio. So um, this is actually almost exactly what I have. It was from a different company, and the way this originally went down was that you know uh, these these guys who were um, developers they 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 basically designed this system, and now companies. This is the second one that I've seen other than mine. Companies are like basically building it for you, whereas before. Um, these developers would just tell you, here's what you would need to get, get these parts, get these parts and everything else. Well, these companies are bundling them together and selling them as units. So it's, um, it's retailing at uh, 3342 in US dollars, um, 2840 euros, which is, uh, you know, if you're looking for a full platform motion system, you're not gonna get much cheaper than this. And um, like I said, I use the Sim Racing, Sim Racing Studio. I use the Thanos controller, and actuators are very similar. It's it's a solid, solid system. And you know, compared to the high end uh, stuff that's out there, uh, this is this is the way to get motion system at a, on a on a you know fairly reasonable budget. So Brian, could I take this package and and bolt it onto that rig we were just looking at? Absolutely. It'll bolt on any 8020 uh, base system. So, yeah, you won't have any problem doing that. So I just spent a bunch of money if I had this <laughs> to it, yeah. Irish's Lounge, we'll spend your money. Okay, and let's jump to results. NASCAR iRacing Series. Let's finish up and talk Daytona. Friday Open. I wrecked out. It was a frustrating race. I was actually top 10 the whole time. I led a lap or so, but I just couldn't get anyone to work with me. I I didn't have any teammates in my split. Uh, One restart, the guy in front of me checked up big time and let three people from the outside in front of him. 
um, I guess his teammates. Uh, that was really frustrating. But uh, later near the end, just trying to get something going on the outside and everybody bails and this leaves me hanging out to dry. Uh, eventually they wrecked in front of me and I got collected. So it was a fitting into the race uh, when when nobody will help you. And, and the, you know, I think Tony said this week, uh, Tony Rochette, it's not fun anymore uh, because everyone just lines up on the inside. Everyone's afraid to get out of line and nobody races. They haven't quite figured out how to run the high line. In the old package, like last year, you had to run. I guess we can go ahead and put the secret out now, right? I didn't want to give it away last week. But in the old package, you have to run right beside the inside line the whole time to get that second line running. Um, but now, if you do that, you scrub off speed. But if you get a get a line of three or four cars going, and you let it wash out, and you trust nobody's going to stick it three wide and break up the outside line, then you can run right up there, uh, and it, it'll it'll work. So it's it's just um, it does require a little bit more trust, and boy, that's we'll talk about it. It it doesn't happen very often. They'll just they'll just turn around and leave you, or try to cut it three wide. All right. So you got a P eight. You were contending, but your drafting help abandoned. Yeah, you were watching at that point, I, I, I believe, uh, calling out what was happening. And uh, I had a good Daytona week, you know. And, and we talked. We already talked about one of the wins. It was, uh, but last uh, all three times I was on the NIS race, I was either second or third, coming to two to go and made the move to the outside all three times to pass the leader. And this one, I uh, had a guy go with me and then just, he couldn't push and and then changed his mind and turned around and left me and it, I fell to eighth. But, uh, you know, I wasn't gonna just sit in second when I, especially when I already had a good finish for the week. So I was okay with going for it and it not paying off. Okay, Tony Rochette, P20. Got hit by some dumbass running three wide. I couldn't hold a line. Damaging the engine with three to go. Tony Gross, P5. Nice run. Yeah, yeah, that one wasn't too bad. I haven't done a whole lot of NISs here, so I kind of forgot about the tire limits. And uh, yeah, so what is it? My left sides, I think, had like 50 something laps on it. So those last couple of laps that we had, I was pretty squirrely. Loose. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That is an understatement. But I don't think the guy that went fifth was expecting me to make a run on him and go for it, but I did because I was like, well, <laughs> the hell else do I got to, to lose? Go for a P5, got it, so that was cool. All right, nice run. Uh, Sunday Open, Tony Rochette, P4. Survived a few wrecks, pushed the leader on the back at the white, but got checked up when tried to make a run. Greg, P16. Well, this is the race that David won, that, uh, the top split Yeah, race. that I pushed him to the, to the win for him. I wrote a little bit more specific so I got about what got you a lap down. You actually got back in time, at two, but you missed the start, right? And then they had the checkered when, before everybody, or they had the yellow before everybody got past the checkered. And you drove through the pits and as a result, weren't able to take the wave around. Yeah, something, yeah, it was all weird. So I ended up getting a lap down, but then I got it. I got it back in the race and Oh, I, that's what it was. I got it back because of a wave around later on because we did have another caution and then I had to pit and the guys that I was with that was going to pit, I lost their draft. And then that's by the time you came along 
I was running out of fuel because I had enough fuel and everything, but I just it just didn't have enough time. It didn't work out. But I was glad to be able to at least help. You know, I've been saying, what did I say last week? I wanted to make sure I'm trying to get both of us always in the top split together. I'm trying, I'm working my way up there. I'm getting closer week by week here to be in the top split with you all the time. Yeah, good job on um, working together and getting that win, at least for one of you. Sunday fixed, uh, I kind of mentioned this before, I had a brain fart. I, uh, on a restart, went from third to second instead of third to fourth with my sequential shifter. I pushed it forward instead of backwards. I, I don't know what I was doing. Uh, Brian, you were there to witness it, uh, my, my foolishness. Yeah, I was uh, trying to, I was planning on spotting you two to win and uh, <laughs> you got that restart and I said, what's that smoke coming from? And the next thing I know, everybody's blown by it. Oh, that was, that was terrible. Now you check the replay and I only blipped it in there just for a moment, It was, but it was too much. Yeah, yeah, it was a, not even a full second. It was just a split second that uh, that it really maxed the RPMs out. But that was that was all it took. Um, and I got to tell you, those guys behind you, they did a hell of a job not running you over and causing a big wreck. And I was beating myself up Sunday night after that race. I mean, I walked away, uh, you know, 20 minutes into the race and, you know, and yeah, what am I doing? I, I felt pretty stupid. So uh, later uh, in the race, it was certainly uh, later in the week. It was certainly nice to get something going. So let's go, go into that uh, Wednesday uh, open. We're at Darlington, uh, David P15. So uh, we started this race off. Greg, do you remember me reading off the I ratings at the top of the of the split? <laughs> yeah. It actually wasn't the, the highest we I had I had seen recently because Daytona had a ton of people out, but um, the, you know all the pros were in there. Gary ended up winning this one, uh, but this was a really, for the most part, a clean race. I made a few mistakes early, which probably cost me a little speed, but ultimately, I didn't listen to most of Mike's race because I committed the cardinal sin of listening to Mike on pit strategy. We need, oh. that, we need that to be like a thing there. That's funny because every time do you do, it doesn't not, Do not listen to Mike on pit strategy. <laughs> Tony, turn that into a clip. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as Mike gets in there and calculates the tires and the amount of time he's supposed to have or per, per pit stop, for, for the amount of time you can go on the tires and he starts using the calculator, that's when we need to stop listening. Now, it was good. It was sound strategy. I, I no, it wasn't. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Not in a not in a race that only had already gone basically almost halfway before the first caution. Okay, so it would have been sound strategy in my split, but we had 11 cautions had in my split. Now, I still ended up, I still was probably going to be between 10, P10 and P15, and that's still better than uh, my car number. It was still a, a, a decent finish in top split. Uh, but. So, what was the call? You, it was a late, it was a caution after a long, long green run. You were three laps down. You only had 20 laps on your tires, and I told you to stay out and take a wave around. Yep. But um, I was, there was everybody else on my lap pitted. Only two cars stayed out, me and one other. Um, and there was only three cars on the lead lap. And it didn't, again, go caution until five to go. 
So it, it just didn't pay off. But ultimately, uh, you know, it probably cost me a, f a few spots. And then I also had a guy bounce off the wall when I was going by him because it was hard to hold these cars straight um, straightaways. Uh, if you didn't have them lined up just right, sometimes they would just kind of jerk to the right. I was fighting that all night, too. And he bounced it off the wall right into me. I made a crazy save, and then, uh, so I didn't bring the yellow out, but at that point, I, I couldn't catch the guy that I was running down, and another guy got by me. All right, so don't take the wave around with 20 to go. And I think I asked you. No, I mean no, no, no. I will do that next time if you tell me to do the other. Yeah. Well, I think my question was if, so I, I told you to take the wave by when you had 20 lap tires. What if you had 10 lap tires? It would have been different. Problem is, is that I think even after 10 laps, aren't you a sec almost, you've probably already given up a second on the tires. Some of the people, I mean, some of the fast guys probably won't be a second down, but turn three and four, just chew the crap out of the front tires. And it's so hard to get around there. That's where you lose all your time. And my first instinct just, was was to take the tires and, and race the guys that I was racing, because because we were they were all on about twenty lap older tires than I was, because I was able to go longer than anybody else. Um, and I also should have made sure that I had calculated what window we were in, because we were actually in the. If I'd have gone ahead and pitted, it would have been one less pit stop I had to make. So well, I, I messed up there too. I think I don't remember. Did you? Were you muted when Mike made his big his big decision in his yes. race where he didn't take tires? Yes, but I he was decided to fuel it up. I yeah, it was wow. 19 laps on that side. Now we only <laughs> had tires to run every 28 laps uh, on a set, and we were pitting on like every 20. And so I was concerned about running out of tires. So we had a caution on a 19 lap run. And I'm like, okay, I, this is my move. I'm staying out, but everybody else did it. And so I started fading bad. I think I fell out of the top 10 for the first time that night. And uh, I was concerned, but I eventually caught a caution and got back on the same tires. Yeah, I just muted it for a while because I was so mad after making that pit call or following your, your pit strategy that I was like, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna spew about it unless I just mute and just race. So I just raced for a while and yeah, you know, just, uh, the, I already said it. Just do not listen to Ellis on, on pitch strategy. <laughs> All right. You're, you can spot, but you you can't crew chief. I, I crew chief myself to a win somehow, but uh, yeah. All right, Greg, uh, any, any more about your P14? Uh, that I can't seem to buy any luck this season, but uh, if anybody can show me how to buy some luck, uh, just send it my way. Show me where, because... I can't finish out these races to save my life. Yeah, you were in position for sure. Um, it's tough it didn't finish out like you hoped. Well, right. it's when you're when you're third, you know, restarting third, right behind first, you've been up front all race, 360 laps of 367. We're going to have a five lap shootout and the guy in second goes into the corner like I don't know what he was doing. He was on brand new tires. I don't know how he didn't make the corner. But he hit the, the wall and yanked it down to the track and guess where I was? Right at the bottom and turned me straight into the wall. Nerves got him. That could happen in those long races at the very end too. I think you think and then you cut out. Sorry, is that better? Um, what happened was I think is he was the better car in the second part of the race there. Uh, him and I came, got 
better as the night went on and he was leading a lot more laps there and then someone had got off pit road before him the guy that's starting that was leading there and i think he was just trying to make up what he lost and he lost it all okay let's keep moving uh we got a fixed results i don't know who these are so we'll skip them uh let's move on to monday night fast track sim racing league david p1 yeah, and this was definitely another one of those gift wins. I, I'll call it that way. It was a team effort. We were doing our best to just make sure everybody was up there up front. We dropped to the back, actually, and Bobby made a good fuel call that we ended up all following. Uh, we, we topped it off when Marble, the Marbles and a lot of other guys just decided to keep track position. And we were able to all just kind of hang out right behind the field. In fact, we ran them back down from like seven seconds behind. Um, was able to catch up and we were good to go on fuel so after we pitted we didn't have to take as much fuel so we came out in front of all of them and we control on the front though we got we kept getting just a little separated towards the end it was just me greg and bobby and we were trying to figure out how we should position the cars where we could sort of race for it but not let anybody else have a chance then a couple of lap cars decided with two to go when they're three laps down. Hey, let's uh, let's stay down on the bottom now and kind of get in the way. And I, uh, the when we timed it, I just got, I got really tired, washed up the track, and that caused Greg to get separated from us. So it was just me and Bobby left. And it, at that point, the only way he could pass me was to wreck me. Um, and uh, so he just made sure that nobody else uh, won. And um, you know, it was it was it was team effort and luck. I was a sitting duck for most of it because really at that point it would have been easy for Greg and and Bobby at any time to set it up. Push and I, yeah, well, I wanted either. The, the truth is, I had my win Sunday. I had my pound of flesh basically. So I was I was mainly just like, how do we set this up where any of these other guys can't get it, and how do I not just hand it over? You know, because you're not supposed to just hand the race over, right? Team orders kind of thing. But I wanted them to both have a good shot at it. And it just didn't work out that way. Um, my race, I wrecked out. Uh, that was the first caution. I caused the first caution. I was in the corner and uh, my force feedback stopped suddenly. And it caused me to jerk the wheel to the left a little bit, which hit the guy to the inside. and. And I was embarrassed and ran out of there. Um, I, that's when I took the wheel off of my rig and to the living room and and decided to rip it apart finally. Um, so hopefully I got that fixed. I don't know if the fact of me taking the wheel off finally and getting it back on uh, will fix that issue. I ran four hours uh, when I won the Southern 500 without the problem happening. So I, I assume it's gone. But uh, yeah, if if it happens again, I'm gonna buy a new hub. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fool with it anymore. Uh, I should be able to run good at Daytona in this league race, and I you know ran out of there embarrassed because of my equipment failure. Tony Rochette, he was P9, lost the draft trying to help out some cars. Fuel strategy worked in Tafosi's favor though, with the only caution coming quarter way through. And one thing, there were so many of us in that race, it was kind of hard to organize. It's kind of like herding cats. I mean, we had a plan to go to the back and then David, you were trying to make a, a call. Oh, let's not. And then some of us had already dropped back and it was kind of a mess. Yeah, it, but it worked out. We just all completely dropped to the back. Uh, I, 
I thought we settled down enough where I thought we could all say fuel. And I was like, all right, let's not go to the back. And Steve was like, wait a minute, I'm already back there. And I was like, okay, we'll go back. I called the audible too late. So we went ahead and went back and we were able to pick everybody up. And we just hung out back there. We were almost, that was when we were over like seven seconds, right? And and in that six car line, we were able to run down the whole rest of the pack. Okay. Let's talk OBRL, Chris Scales. He got his first Old Bastard win. And then we have the OBRL Aftermath Truck Series. Congratulations, Dwayne MacArthur. Uh, he wins the Aftermath Truck Series at Darlington. Josh Robinson, second. And, uh, Dode the Hornet Hoskins finished third. The iRacing iRock Challenge Series Season 3 uh, runs their all-star event tonight, uh, Thursday night. Uh, Kyle uh, wanted me to mention that. GridFinder is your go-to source for finding your next sim racing league. Currently home to over 450 leagues across all gaming platforms and across 10 different racing sims, including over 80 iRacing leagues. Filter your search by racing sim, car class, race day, and region. Finding a league to fit your schedule has never been this easy. Visit www.grid-finder.com to find a league or upload your own. GridFinder. GridFinder.com. The home of online sim racing leagues. And Brian, let's uh, go ahead and wrap it up with some final thoughts. Oh, man, I was all psyched up yesterday for that uh, Aftermath truck race that uh, you just uh, covered and uh, got on the rig. Everything was ready to go. I was loading into the uh, servers and uh, lost power. Uh, the storm, you know, the remnants of the Hurricane Ido came through my area last night and wiped out the power for a little while. So I missed the start. I had a nice new truck that Bobby Jonas painted for me. I was really excited to uh, debut that at the race. and. Uh, you know, Mother Nature had other plans. So back to the drawing board. Uh, it's going to be, uh, I'm, I plan on running the rest of that, um, the rest of the uh, season for that truck series. And, uh, you know, with one one race that I wasn't able to get in, it's going to make it a little tougher to make the playoffs, but we'll see how it goes. Do they have the win and you're in thing or? Nope. I see. All points. Yeah. They had a big turnout too it was like uh 43 cars chris and uh tony rochette were in it last night we got to get you that starlink unfortunately right now um they are actually not doing any more launches right now they're waiting until they get the satellite system laser communication instead of radio communication so it'll jack with science a little bit less all right david hall final thoughts uh, right. A little bit of hot off the press news. I don't know if you guys happen to see this, but iRacing just posted the new content. They're also putting out the Ferrari 488 GT3 Evo, and there's a video for it. Um, how different is it than the other Ferrari GT3? The lights look a little different, but it's Ferrari, right? So check that out. What a week for all of us, right, man? Uh, that first win yeah it was daytona but still it's a it's a different experience once you get up in a top split and it's so hard to to go up against you know garrett mains who's several levels beyond what what i am uh you know so yeah he wasn't in that race that that definitely helped <laughs> um but yeah what a, what a week for all of us this was definitely a, a banner week for the podcast and and the tofosi team it sure feels good. Yeah. And the Ferrari Evo, if you recall, that was one of those 
things that they saw on the guy's screen uh, when they put out that video on the four hours of Charlotte um, that we were speculating that uh, might be coming. And there it is. I just watched the video too, David, that uh, the in-car view, it reminded that it has that uh, center console that uh, you can buy as a button box, uh, the exact same design. Well, it's what the inside of the Ferrari. Yeah, it's what the inside of a Ferrari looks like, right? I'm, I drive that one in the in IMSA too. So yeah. Okay, Greg Hectus, your final thought. Uh, just uh, looking forward. We got a big weekend here. Uh, obviously, it's the long distance race week for us. So in both aspects, I guess David. I don't know if David mentioned it, but uh, we got the 24 hour of Daytona to do this weekend. Uh, probably a couple more uh, tries at Darlington. So we're going to be running lots and lots of laps this weekend. And, uh, well, it's a long weekend, so that's good too. Uh, got some things in the work here that uh, hopefully we can, uh, we got some big things happening as a podcast here in the next couple of weeks too. So uh, that's more to come, I guess. Okay. Tony Gross, final thoughts. Uh, last week on my final thoughts, I was talking about my uh, my headset blinking out on me. Uh, well, I found out the problem, figured it out, fixed the problem. Uh, it's just a battery issue. And then uh, this, yep, just this past Sunday, I was racing OBRL at uh, Daytona, and I don't know. I think we we're two thirds of the way through the race. Caution come out. I go to I let off my accelerator, and the car automatically shifted into second and took a, you know, a hard right, right into the wall, took out a couple of guys. So fixed one issue and then another one popped up. I don't know. I've never had this happen before and I haven't been able to recreate it since. So could just hopefully, hopefully it's just a one-off thing. Weird. Anyways. Yeah, that's that. That's the worst when you take out people inadvertently and you ruin their race and you just feel horrible, huh? Yeah. Yeah. That really, really sucks. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It, you know, it happens. I've had it happen to me with weird stuff happen to other people and I get taken out, but you know, it, you're right, Mike, it does. It makes you feel, it makes you feel like crap. Yeah. Same thing when I wrecked Monday night and my wheel caused it. Um, I took out a bunch of people and I ruined their race and I felt really bad about it, but uh, hopefully I, I'm resolving those issues. Well, my final thoughts, uh, man, the Southern 500, who would have thought, you know, I didn't come into this week thinking I was a contender. I usually run good here, usually get top fives and gain I rating, uh, but I didn't think I had a chance to win, but the set was bomb. I mean, the set was great. I mean, um, can't say anything bad about that. And I feel good. I feel confident, you know, after the crazy brain fart of misshifting Sunday and my wheel problems and I finally got my wheel off after all this time of yanking on it I finally got it off I put some gun oil on it and it's able to come off and on now um, I hope I got it addressed and uh, to get that win and the wheel to last all four hours without a problem whew, I hope uh, I hope I'm on the right track and with that we'll see you on the track later Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.